breaking news as we come to you here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here from Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet. Sean Payton has informed the hashtag Saints that he is stepping away. I think the vocabulary there is very important. Didn't say Sean Payton is retiring. Mm-hmm. Said Sean Payton is stepping away. That's a very good point. Uh, so, okay, Chris Gokel alongside Cam Urshery and PJ Zuko here on second down. Uh, obviously has a lot to do with us because we home of the Falcons here in South Georgia. Absolutely. So we're always worried about what's going on over in New Orleans. But Sean Payton, I think the NFL-wide story, one of the best coaches, I'd say consistently top 10, top 5 kind of a coaching mind uh, inside the NFL. Had his couple of scandals there, there, but for the most part, won a Super Bowl, uh, helped him and Drew Brees, one of the greatest offenses that we've seen in the NFL, stepping away from the Saints. So there's a few things I want to dive into here. Uh, number one, if he's stepping away, where's your first just reckless guess about where he's going? Oh, man. Because um, it has to be to another job. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I, I can't see Sean Payton stepping away to go to somewhere he's going to have to rebuild, right? I, I don't see him stepping away to go to the Giants or or the Jaguars. Um, I think it, it'd have to be a, a pretty solid kind of kind of program organization that's in an okay spot. So the two that come to mind there, and one that actually, just because you reminded me the other day about it, honestly, is Oakland and Minnesota. Obviously, uh, know Minnesota very well from uh, several several different uh, kind of classic games that they've had with Minnesota, and then of course, I mean Oakland. I feel like Oakland is it kind of ripe for the taking, Oakland? right? Oh my gosh, I've said it like nine times. Yeah, too. I was just gonna see if you correct yourself. <laughs> no, uh, they're of in Vegas not. now. Like once I get on a track, man, it's it's gone. Uh, I just see those. Co- I just think Oakland. Um, but yeah, the the Raiders, Las Vegas. Um, and Welcome to 2018 ESPN Radio. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Minnesota. So, I think uh, again, like I said, okay. I, I feel like Oklahoma. Mm, I feel like Las Vegas is kind of right. Now for he's the, the head coach in Oklahoma. There <laughs> with uh, Derek Carr and solid year. Too many interceptions, I think. But I, I think you can right. put that into a a kind of permanent playoff team really quickly if you just have some stabilization. Um, and so some stability, and, and I think Minnesota is probably a quarterback away from being a really solid team. But Kirk Cousins has not, never done it for me and, and never will. All right, Cam. Anyway. Cam, here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to see if you're following along with me here. We talked about college football coaching changes, and when LSU went and got Brian Kelly, we were like, that's a Mr. Still Your Coach kind of moment, right, where it's USC kind of did it to Oklahoma, where it's who are the schools in college football that – don't have to worry about A, people coming to take their coach, and B, can go take a coach from anywhere they want to. LSU did it to Notre Dame. USC did it uh, to Oklahoma there, right? Who are the teams in the NFL that have the money, the I guess the players and, and the immediate success, and I guess the marketability slash swag to do something like this? First team that comes to mind for me, and it's a team that has coveted this guy for a long time, Dallas Cowboys. 
And what's That's weird what about was say. what's weird about that is Dallas Cowboys have a head coach. Well, that yeah. But yeah. Jerry Jones don't give a rip about that. Yeah. If the Cowboys can go and snag Sean Payton. They're going to do it. In my mind, that's the most realistic expectation about where Sean Payton ends up. That was actually my first choice, Dallas. Uh, I know they got a coach, but I was going to go Dallas because of what you said. They got the money. They got the team. They have their quarterback. They're set in stone. I think they're just a coach away, and Sean Payton is one of the greatest offensive minds ever. It would be either Dallas or um, Vegas for me because I think Vegas has a lot of salary cap um, room coming up get a free agent like Russell Wilson. He'll love Vegas. But, I mean, I understood why he left New Orleans. It's just kind of a sunken place right now. They don't have any cap space to make anything well, happen anymore. So that's – But here, that's here's my why. next point on that is that's kind of his doing. He – Yeah. The Falcons did a very similar thing after the 2016 loss in the Super Bowl, which was they committed to an older quarterback. They said, we have a window here for five years with Matt Ryan let's and Julio Jones and these guys – Let's give them big contracts. Let's keep them here, and then let's build around them. They did the same thing with the Saints. Drew Brees had the big contract, and then they went out and they got the big-name guys. Uh, they, they, they bring in the Michael Thomas in the draft, but other guys, especially on the defensive side of the football, they kept adding pieces on the defensive side of the ball and kept spending that money and had almost no cap the last couple of years. Now you're looking at it. Drew Brees retires. Sean Payton kind of does the one-year experiment with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Doesn't really work out. You have no money. Taysom Hill's on a multi-year deal here. You're about to lose a bunch of these free agents, and a bunch of guys are coming up on new deals. This is a really tough spot for the Saints, and Sean Payton just said, peace out. Whereas, I appreciate it. flip side of that, Dan Quinn just got fired. Yeah, And the difference there, I think, one of the guys won his Super Bowl, the other one lost it. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm just happy Sean Payton is out of our hair now. Um, you know, he's just a great offensive mastermind in general. I see somebody's commented Miami Dolphins. I could see that, but that's kind of like, you know, a I want to say a rebuild project, but I don't know if Tua is the guy he would necessarily want to build around. I could see Dak or Derek Carr, or, you know, get Russell Wilson in Vegas, but I'm glad he's out of our hair. He's not in New Orleans anymore. Really? I will say that. We got a pretty talented young core there in Miami, and I think that's kind of a good point. Uh, I I think, like you said, there's there's some things to do there for sure. Uh, but I, I don't feel like Brian Flores was doing a terrible terrible job, and you have some talent down there to work with. So that I mean that might be something to watch. I think a lot of things in Miami point, point towards Harbaugh. Yeah, coming from Michigan, there there's been a lot of speculation about that, and I think basically now it's coming down to semantics where the Dolphins and their ownership don't want to seem like they're taking him away. So they, they kind of want him to step down first and then they hire him. Right. So it's, it's an interesting situation, but this kind of coming out of left field here, uh, I shouldn't say that there, there had been some rumblings. Basically Sean Payton hadn't told him, uh, told the saints whether or not he was coming back yet. So there was some rumblings that something could be up, but he was still on a multi-year deal, but this is huge. This is, I'd say coaching-wise, this is the most significant news uh, that we have seen of this go-around. Because like I said, this is a top five, top ten kind mm -hmm. of a coaching NFL. I would say I'd be pretty comfortable saying top five coach in the NFL. Yeah. like I feel like Bill Belichick and Andy Reid are kind of like one-two. But then after right. that, I mean, Sean Payton, Super Bowl champ. 
Super Bowl champion. I mean, other than this year, really has had his team in contention every single year. Yeah. And you can say that's Breeze or not, uh, whatever. I mean, that that again, like it's kind of like the the Bill Belichick Tom Brady thing, where I feel like it was a match made in heaven, and they made each other better, and, and th- their system just worked perfectly together. Whereas it's not just one's great and the other one's riding the coattails, yeah. right? Uh, Sean Payton and his offensive mind has has been incredible and how they've been. Uh, Honestly, could have won two or three more Super Bowls, I think, if you don't have a lot of questionable things happening. Like there was a penalty that messed them up in one one NFC championship game. There was, uh, of course, the the Rams debacle uh, with the pass interference play that got them out of another one. Did Minnesota get them twice? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is Minnesota, one year it was a, a, a red zone stand where I, I feel like there was a the call could have been overturned like the catch could have been overturned uh, but it wasn't and, and then Diggs. you have Stephon Diggs yeah. so it's like I mean what are you going to do about that that's just a okay so here we're at though let's talk about it from the Falcons perspective yeah so you look around the NFC South uh, Chris Mortensen reported a few weeks ago that the Falcons behind closed doors have committed to Matt Ryan again for next season I think that makes a lot of sense like unless somebody was going to offer you a draft pick for Matt Ryan and you can move on from him and they were going to eat some of the money, it didn't make sense to move on from Matt Ryan for a couple reasons. Number one, Matt Ryan isn't playing bad football. And number two is there's not a – I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft that you're spending the number eight overall pick on. No. So – and even if you did, is he playing this year because you still have Matt Ryan? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, so Matt Ryan is going to be there next year. You don't know who your wide receivers are. Lord knows you don't know who your running backs are. Offensive line – not great this season. Uh, defensively, it's it's bad. I mean, you have A.J. Terrell and Grady Jarrett, and, and everyone keeps jumping on Foya Luicum for leading the league in uh, tackles, but I don't know if that's a good thing or not, or the fact that just he's catching a lot of guys six yards downfield because the defensive line isn't doing a whole lot. So the Falcons not in a great spot, but you look around the NFC South, there's a potential Tom Brady retires. I know, PJ, you were like, no, 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 no. Like it's not happening. There is but, potential, but, but I, I he don't was just think on his show personal. on Sirius, and he was kind of going back and forth. So I think like it's probably like seventy thirty. He comes back, yeah, which is a bigger percentage than we have seen in the past. For sure. Look at Carolina. Carolina's kind of eh right now. Don't really have a quarterback. I mean, is it Sam Darnold? Is it PJ Walker? Is it Cam Newton? Like, who's their guy? Yeah. Christian McCaffrey has just kind of been an enigma. Like, you you don't know what you're going to get out of him defensively. They've been okay I guess and then the Saints are a wreck right now and they just lost their head coach yeah so is it wild to say that the Falcons aren't in a terrible position right now inside of their division I, I don't think that's unfair to say by any means I, I think that's a re- I think they are in a good spot but the thing with the Falcons is they need to get out of their own way uh, I mean I, I there's been even this year you had potential a few different times to get back into the playoff scenario uh, with, with a you know a wild card yeah, chance got, or something like Matt, that. You got Matt Ryan well, that's the thing. flexing yeah. on people and getting personal fouls. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? that, that was the it's, lamest personal foul of all yeah. time. Yeah. Well, we've seen a lot of those this year for sure. But, no, I mean, that's the thing is that the Falcons, I don't feel like, have been in terrible positions the past couple of years. Um, it, it, they just need to get out of their own way and, and go and, and take you know what they can, meet, meet that potential. So, uh, I I think they are in a good spot, especially like like you were talking about with Tom Brady. If that commitment does come right now, you're in an okay spot. If that retirement comes, I think you're in a great spot, 
right? But I would agree with you about the Panthers and the Saints as well. Of of course, you know, who who do the Saints get next? How much turnover are we going to see from the roster now that they're they're going to need to get a new coach? You know, there there could be a lot of different things happening there. And yeah, the the Panthers remind me a lot of the Giants right now, actually, which is weird because five six years ago they were in a Super Bowl, right? They remind me a lot of the Giants, where it's like it's Christian McCaffrey and he gets hurt because he he has to do too much all the time. You don't have a quarterback, which you can say what you want about Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, and then their their defense is pretty solid, but not enough to carry them. Yeah. So they're, they're the Giants. So um, I, I think you're pretty solidly in second spot right now if you're the Falcons. And if you can, one, get out of your own way, and two, have Tom Brady retire, those are two pretty huge things. And you got to wait and see what happens there. But again, you got the draft coming up. I think that's going to be a pretty big signal about where this front office thinks they are as a team. Right, I mean, obviously, mailing it in as a team is if you draft a quarterback. That's when you're just like, we we're kind of over with this team. It's time to completely start the rebuild. Yeah. But last year, I think you kind of saw the opposite. I think they can still win with Matt Ryan. That's why you draft Kyle Pitts. Right. Now you need to figure out, okay, what is the biggest glaring need, or do you just take the best player available? I've seen some mock drafts where they have Derek Stingley Jr. going to the Falcons at eight. Which I think if you look around the team. I wouldn't say corner is the biggest position to need. You have A.J. Terrell, and then if you can find a vet or somebody you feel like is on your own team to go on the other side, I think you're in a pretty good spot. But if you go get Darius Stingley Jr., I think you're in a really good spot. Or you guys know this. I've been saying it for the last three years. The Falcons have never been tough. Like In, in, in relevancy to the NFL, Like, do yeah. I want to line up against anybody that suits up for the Falcons? Absolutely not. Right. But in terms of the NFL, the Falcons have never been a team where you look at them and you say, all right, it's going to be a back-and-forth slobber knocker kind of a game, right? The Falcons have never been tough. I I think the closest you could say they got is early in Matt Ryan's career with the Harvey Dahl offensive line, right? Right. With those guys up front, with Michael Turner running the football for 1,800 yards. I think that's about as close as you've gotten. But I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking – you gotta take somebody up front, whether that's offensive line, defensive line. If Cross, the kid out of Mississippi State, is there, which I want to talk about Mississippi State uh, a little bit later in the show because I have an observation about them just from the playoffs and from the draft. But is it Cross right at, at that spot, or do you take a Jordan Davis, which some people have the Falcons mocked up to take right there? Do you take an offensive lineman, defensive lineman? You just gotta get tough because the Falcons. Defensive line, you've never been worried about it. Even when they had John Abraham, even when they had Patrick Kearney, never been worried about the Falcons' defensive line. For the most part, it's dudes getting blown off the ball and big gaping six, seven-yard holes. I mean, Cam, you've watched a ton of Falcons games over your life. How many times have you been watching the game and it's just they can teams can run the football up the middle whenever they want to? Uh, a lot. I mean, one year in particular, we lost to Philly when they won the Super Bowl, and we held them to 15 points. It was 15 to 10. That was their lowest scoring game in that run. And they literally, the last drive, just ran up the middle every time with that big old line and just bullied the heck out of the Falcons. So I would like to get tough. I know I watched McShay and uh, Mel Kuyper yesterday, and they were saying the Falcons were looking at Malik Willis. Uh, they like Malik Willis's talent. I don't know what the Falcons necessarily need. They need everything. So whatever they pick, I'm going with it at this point. I don't know what they need. I think if the Falcons draft one of the quarterbacks in this class at eight, it is a absolute calamity. Nothing against those quarterbacks. I don't think any of them deserve to go inside the top 15. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the best of them is probably Kenny Pickett. 
I don't think he's a top 15 pick. No. I mean, could he be an NFL starter? Yeah. Is he one of those Trevor Lawrence level players where he could come in a Joe Burrow kind of a player? Absolutely not. There's not one of those in this draft. Yep. So I, I think the Falcon, the Falcons select a quarterback at eight. I think that's a shame. Uh, if they, and I, I think a lot of people are saying, Hey, maybe trade back and get, uh, some extra picks. I think you got to take advantage. This is a really good defensive draft. Get a linebacker, mm-hmm. get into Kobe Dean, right? Get an edge rusher, get somebody who can get after the quarterback. If, for example, a Kayvon Thibodeau slips, something like that, right? I mean, yeah. that's the dream scenario, obviously. But a lot of drafts we've seen, you have uh, Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall, some offensive linemen then going after that. So, I mean, maybe you get one of those two guys slips down to you, even though I'm not an Aiden Hutchinson fan whatsoever. But you just you need something to get tougher. We always hear Falcons need edge rushers, right? Falcons probably need a wide receiver in this draft. Falcons need secondary help. You know what the best teams do? I mean, look at look at this past weekend. What do the best teams do? Absolutely blast you off of the football. Yeah. Specifically, look at Saturday. Right. Saturday was a bloodbath up front. Mm-hmm. The Falcons would have gotten creamed by any of those four teams on Saturday just because they couldn't stand up front. So I think I think no, number eight overall pick. I think you got to use it on something that's going to toughen up this team because right now nobody is worried about playing the Atlanta Falcons. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back talk some more football next right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshry. Again, breaking news about 25 minutes ago. Now, Sean Payton has informed the New Orleans Saints that he is stepping away and just going through Twitter during the break there. A lot of indications pointing towards Dallas, who still has a head coach. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. See, that's the thing is that that's exactly why I I didn't say Dallas. You know, like I they didn't even You're come to the to top nice of my to mind. Mike not, not only that, like it, they didn't come to the top of my mind because I still have a head coach. So I was like, all right, you know, a lot of people, whatever. I'll, I'll go with the one that doesn't have a head coach. But then, like, even uh, I saw last week on on Twitter. Um, John, John Nelson, who, you know, we were going through the no huddle and whatnot, uh, mentioned one of the best landing places for another coach or or one of the best uh, teams, I forget what it was, that that was going to be a playoff team next year with a new coach. Team that, team replacing a head coach has the best chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, and he put the Dallas Cowboys, and I was like, they have have a head coach right now. So, (laughs) I don't know, the forethought that you guys have for that is, is... uh, astounding. That's all I want to say. I commend you guys for that. But because my my first Sean Payton is my savior. Yeah, my first thought went just automatically went to the teams that don't have one yet. But hey, but we might see. I feel like we're gonna see a lot of uh, Miami Hurricanes type press rooms, right? Because mm-hmm. then you talk about what's going on with the Dolphins and possibly uh, you know them with Harbaugh and whatnot, and them wanting for him waiting for him to step down possibly before they offer him the job or anything like that or announce it yet. Like, there's a lot of those situations going on where it's like, all right, we have this figured out, but uh, just don't ask us any questions about how we did it because we don't want to talk about that. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I do feel bad for Mike McCarthy. I know, I know Shaq came after him earlier. Shaq says the Cowboys should fire him uh, and replace him with Dion. Uh, so, I mean, it's just poor Mike McCarthy, man. You know, you take your team to the playoffs. Yep. Pretty dang good. And you took your team to the playoffs after being on Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. You know? That's not a bad season. You got no, beat by no, Jimmy Garoppolo no. and the 49ers. You know who else did? No. The Packers. Don't let them off the hook. Do not the Packers. let them off the hook. 49ers, apparently an elite football team. So, I mean, I just, 
feel bad for Mike McCarthy. I do too. Because don't let it, the Cowboys it, off the hook. I don't feel bad for him. No, no. I mean, they haven't been they haven't been to an NFC Championship game in twenty seven years. That's fine. That's America's not his fault. Team. Yeah, has Mike McCarthy yeah. been there for twenty seven no. years, Cam? What What's Mike McCarthy's fault is why does he have one Super Bowl, one with Aaron okay. Rodgers, all one? Because he was did he manage who they drafted? Did, did has, he... has Has anybody Has anybody won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers since? <laughs> right. I well, Matt Lafleur wasn't a good hire either. I never liked it. Well, yeah. First of all, <laughs> this is a guy who was a part of the 27th ranked offense, and I want to say it was either Washington or Tennessee. He didn't do much either when he was the offensive coordinator. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm I'm with you there. I'll, I'll agree with that. But I mean, all I'm saying is to, to not feel bad for my, Mike McCarthy. You got to deal with Jerry Jones all year and his craziness, right? You got to deal with that, and then you have your quarterback forget. Time rules and things like that, like at the end of the game, like is that Mike McCarthy's fault? Here's, I don't know if that is. So there's a lot that that he's getting right now, just kind of from right, every right, angle that to, he doesn't necessarily stop. deserve. We need to stop talking about Mike McCarthy. We are a South Georgia <laughs> sports show, and we're spending way entirely too much time on Mike McCarthy. Final thought from this: Does any coach in the NFL have a better pained expression than Sean Payton? Like if a call goes one way, if a quarterback throws an interception, if the defense gets gashed, then they go to the sideline shot real quick on a coach, and you just see like the existential like death look. He's definitely the most passionate. I I, I, I don't know. There's some pretty dang passionate coaches out there, but I'm talking about that one look, look in particular where it's like the physical manifestation of pain. I think Sean Payton might have the best. You know who had a it's good like one? It's like he's dying inside anytime his quarterback throws an interception. That's true. You know who had a good one, I think? I feel like, especially when you saw him in pain, which he did a lot because, you know, it's him. Rex Ryan. Yeah, Rex, he, he, he had, had some, a good he one. He had some expressions. You know? He had a good one. And you saw him You yeah. saw him in heartbreaking fashion a lot because it's kind of what like, they did. So, like, Kirby Smart, you go to the sideline, and it's usually, like, over-the-top exuberant or, like, screaming. I'm talking about, like, the – the look like you just ate something bad. <laughs> like Sean Payton has a really good pained expression. Like he does not hide the emotions very well. He's no. yelled like every other coach, but I'm talking about like quarterback misses a wide open guy down the middle and throws like a two yard incompletion. Sean Payton face on the sideline, just elite when it comes to the pained look. And now potentially seeing that in Jerry world. Uh, I wanted to talk some SEC football here because I was thinking about this earlier. We've seen a ton of transfers inside the SEC like literally inside the SEC from one school uh, to another. Arkansas took a Georgia defensive back. South Carolina just took a Georgia defensive back. Really, it's been since Georgia won the national championship, it has just been getting poached and really not bringing anything else in. I think that's kind of twofold. One side of it is there's a lot of players who either lost their job or just weren't playing at all. Breeny lost his job to Poole. He's heading up to Arkansas, right? But then you had the Jermaine Burton one, which we talked about yesterday, which I think might be the most significant player steal from one school to another. Like if, if Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley, I don't feel like he's leaving Oklahoma to go to USC because USC is that better of a program than Oklahoma. He's just following his coach. I'm saying more so it's, and I would have thought the same thing if Jermaine Burton went to LSU because he's just following Cortez Hankton. This is more so they just took your best wide receiver, but I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, okay, there was a pretty clear hierarchy in the SEC this past year. It was Alabama. Yeah. And it there was a little bit of a question mark towards the end because they if they dropped another game, uh, could Texas A&M potentially get that SEC championship spot? But then Texas A&M kind of self-imploded. Uh, 
down the stretch. So did Auburn. I think what lost five games in a row to end the season. So they kind of took any kind of fun out of the race. Then the SEC East, it was pretty much determined the beginning of the season. But I guess there was like a question mark in the Kentucky game if Kentucky somehow came into Athens and found a way to upset Georgia. But beyond that, Georgia was the front runner the entire time. First question to you guys is, is that the same situation in 2022? I think it's pretty clear that it is in the West and the East. Is Georgia far and away the front runner in the East? Yeah, I think so still. I think so still because you have what what I, I know, as you mentioned, you have a lot being poached right now, and you don't have a lot in, via the transfer portal coming in. But I think also everything coming in from for Georgia is in recruiting. Um, you're building that depth back up through recruiting and, and being one of the top uh, recruiting teams in the nation every single year. So naturally, also, next year, some of those guys are going to go. So that's, that's just kind of how that works. Um, so I think it's, it's not only what Georgia has coming back, it's also looking around the SEC East and, and not seeing a lot of huge contenders that I think I should give a, a – huge amount of respect to when it comes to comparing them to Georgia. Um, I, I don't think Florida's just a one-year, okay, we were we were bad, and now we're great now. I, I don't think that's just a one-year transition. Uh, I think, like, I respect the heck out of what's been happening at, at South Carolina, but even then, still, you know, fringe, not even really on the edge of, of competing against Georgia, I don't think. So, Basically, you go down the list, and I think all those teams in the East are, are in that same vein. I am, like in a one-game scenario, which is, of course, what it will be, I am interested to see, again, what Tennessee can do against Georgia. But can they do that all year, and can they compete for the SEC East title? I don't think that's next year. So, basically, yes. Uh, long story short, I think the hierarchy is still the, still the same there in 2022. Cam, who's the second-best team in the SEC East, then? I still go Kentucky. Um, based off the momentum they had this past season, uh, I, I'll go Kentucky. Florida is a close second. I got to see what Florida brings back and what they're doing as far as recruiting. Um, but outside of that, I still think Georgia is far and away the best team. Uh, South Carolina and Spencer Rattler is cute, but is it going to Cute, he says. Know, okay. You? No, yeah, it's cute. I love Spencer Rattler. It's cute, but – it's not It's not going to get you to that level of where Georgia's at. And I know Tennessee's bringing Henny Hooker back. That's cute as well. But I think it, it's this moment of time for the next two, three years, it's going to be Georgia and then everybody else kind of like this year. I think the transfer portal might accelerate that timeline a little bit. But just the way Georgia's recruiting, they're getting the guys you want to get, hopefully, out of the transfer portal one day. They're just getting them from the jump. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just find it fascinating because I do think that second place is wide open. I think Kentucky's losing a lot. I mean, Wondell Robinson's gone uh, to the draft. They're losing a couple of big-time offensive linemen, a Kennard, one of those guys who all-American level tackle that who's he's going to be going to the NFL draft. So I think Kentucky probably takes a step back in 2022. I agree with you guys on Tennessee because I think Hendon Hooker really started catching his stride midway through the season, obviously ran up against a really elite, one of the best ever Georgia defenses, right? But, I mean, played some really good football, and now we'll have another season in that Josh Heupel offense. I think they'll be fun. I think you guys are kind of underrating South Carolina a little bit, though, because, yeah, they're losing uh, Kingsley Inigbare. Uh He's going to the draft. You lose uh, – why am I 
blanking on his name right now. Kevin Harris uh, out of Bradwell, who just set all kinds of records at South Carolina at the running back position. But if Marshawn Lloyd, who people have kind of forgotten about a couple years ago, five-star running back, I think one or two running back in the country uh, coming in, tears an ACL and is out and finally got to come back and play last year. But again, behind Kevin Harris, I think if Marshawn Lloyd can take that next step, I think if they can block up front, South Carolina is always going to have some good receivers. I mean, you're seeing Debo Samuel massacre people uh, in the playoffs before him. It was Alshon Jeffrey. So South Carolina, for whatever reason, always spits out players. I think South Carolina with Spencer Rattler could be really good. Now, I do think this is funny. I've seen a lot of South Carolina sites saying the battle between Luke Doty and Spencer Rattler. What the hell out of here? What? I understand coaches have to say that, but as media members, you do not have to say that. <laughs> and I got all the respect in the world for Luke Doty, but when it came down to it, I know he, he got banged up a little bit, but he was battling our boy Zebuliah Nolan for playing time there at the end of the season. And then you had a, was he a grad transfer or was he just a, uh, either way, you had another quarterback come in and was playing over you, uh, was it Jason Brown? Uh, as a season with a kid who beat Florida. So I, I think Spencer Rattler, we can pretty much assume, is going to be South Carolina's week one starter. And Shane Beamer knows how to coach ball. Yeah. And he got the tight end to come with him from Oklahoma, too. That defense is going to be salty. I think South Carolina could push for that second spot. I think Missouri will be okay. Tennessee, like I said, the, depending on the defense, because that defense was atrocious last year. They gave up 378 points last year. Yeah, and then the only one who gave up more in the SEC East was Missouri, who gave up 440. Hmm. I'll take that back. Missouri gave it the most. There's Vanderbilt way down at the bottom. I had to scroll. like <laughs> I had to go to a new tab. Vanderbilt gave up 430. But Tennessee's That's kind of how that works was, with everything, right? Yeah. Just, you got to keep you scrolling. You forget about Vanderbilt. <laughs> but Tennessee was bad on defense last year. They haven't done a great job of bringing guys in. Uh, transfer or recruiting, so I don't see, really see that changing next year. I think South Carolina could be pretty dang good uh, with Spencer Rattler. They were seven and six last year. I could see a nine-win football team. Ooh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I I don't believe in Spencer Rattler that much. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Uh, I is it just highly touted? Is you it, have all this potential, everything like that. So I I need to see more from him before I just jump on the bandwagon and think, man. This kid is enough to, to help a program get to the next level. Like, I, I just don't know. I, wanna, I, I never saw because it. Because that's the question around Spencer Rattler, right, is, hey, we just saw him get replaced by Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams just – he just changed everything for Oklahoma. Like, did he? I'm trying to pull up on the fly here Oklahoma's 2021. I mean, things happen. You saw Jalen Hurts get his late success when he transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma, so – same thing can happen for Spencer. I, I I always say change can happen, and change is good sometimes. I can't I can't say that. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up the scores here from Oklahoma because down yeah okay so Caleb Williams takes over and Caleb Williams is like the hottest name inside college football. So you beat Texas and he comes in in this like what the second quarter and you come back and you beat Texas down big, you beat them fifty five to forty eight. The next week you beat TCU and he I think he had like a four or five touchdown game there. He put up fifty two points, but then you look at Kansas and that game was tight mm -hmm. like tight tight all the way down until the very end uh, I think it was like 23 21 or something like that like Kansas was winning that football game yeah. and they, it wasn't great you lose to Baylor and you only put up 14 points you scored 28 against Iowa State right so it's just like was it Spencer Rattler or was maybe just like the Oklahoma offense not 
as good as we have seen it before last year. I mean, we've seen so many great wide receivers, some good running backs come through there. Amazing offensive linemen uh, have come out of the Oklahoma program. I think Spencer Rattler, you put him in the SEC, give him, let, let him work with Shane Beamer. It's, it's a market improvement over anybody they had playing quarterback last year. Yeah, so, exactly. That's, so, but, that's, but, but you just said I'm just, I'm you're waiting not a believer to see. in Spencer Rattler. I'm not a believer. Make me believe. That's, that's all I'm saying. The jury is still out. I feel like with a lot of people, it's just like, man, they got Spencer Rattler. They're going to be great now. Like, I, I can't say that because I don't know. Show me. Like, I, and I don't feel like I've seen it yet. So I, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's going to make anyone worse or that he was the main problem in Oklahoma or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got enough material of him on the field. I got his measurements and, yeah. and all that. Well, and, he had, he had too many people just believe in that. But, like, I need to see something more. Here, Spencer Rattler had 187 attempts last year. Uh, and I guess over you call it over half a season, roughly what thirty a game, right there. Completed seventy five percent of his passes for fifteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns, and five interceptions. Like what I, I really think, what Caleb Williams brought that was different than Spencer Rattler is his legs. Caleb Williams is pretty yeah, elite. Spencer Rattler, legs. yeah, and Spencer I think Rattler won a Big Twelve championship. Yeah, too. I think I, mean, I think no I think Caleb Williams or Lincoln Riley looked at the offense and said, "I need this dynamic." I need a dude who, because the wide receivers aren't getting open, you don't have the plays where it's the easy RPO and you can dump it over the top. He needed that extra dynamic, and they still didn't do anything they wanted to. They didn't make the conference championship. Right. So I, I think I think Spencer Rattler could be a big addition to South Carolina. I mean, look at the SEC. Tell me who are the top five quarterbacks in the SEC next year? Yeah, I mean, it's how, Bryce Young, and how, then how do you? Yeah, it's Bryce yeah. Young, and then it's wide open. Probably Hendon Hooker, maybe. I think Hendon Hooker is probably up there. I mean, Stetson Bennett, number two. Yeah, yeah, my fault. See, I'm already a Georgia fan. I'm already well, just like a Georgia fan. Yeah, Sorry. I was going to say, you're a resident <laughs> Penn State fan. Are you, are you hopping on the bandwagon? I'm are already, you making an announcement, I'm already DJ? completely forgetting about you know my the, the college football make, playoff game. Are you making champion. an announcement right here? Absolutely not. No, by no means. I, yeah. I, I, go back and listen to the show. I say stuff incorrectly all yeah. the time. But, again, if you did this before <laughs> last season, you say Spencer Rattler's transfer to South Carolina, you'd probably say he's the best quarterback in the SEC. If not number maybe number two before the season, and now all of a sudden after last year, is he top five? I th- I I think he clearly is, but like I think there's a lot of people like you who say, oh, well, he has to prove it to me again that he's that guy. I think Spencer Rattler is probably the second best quarterback in the SEC next year, if not the best. And I know that sounds crazy with Bryce Young, but Spencer Rattler I think is that guy. So we'll have to we'll see. We'll have we'll have to wait and see. We got more to come here on second. I'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. PJ, I have an important question for you. All right, man. Let's go. All the games this past weekend were phenomenal. One score games, a lot of walk-offs. A lot of people will say best divisional round ever. I saw Colin okay. Cowherd saying that the Chiefs Bills was the best playoff game he's ever seen. Okay. Just and I I think people do that in different ways. They say front to back. Like a lot of people like go back to the Iron Bowl this year, right? A lot of people say that wasn't a good game. It had a great finish, but it wasn't a good game. Right. The Bills Chiefs front to back. I mean, you had touchdowns by both teams in every quarter. Right? It was it was a fun game. Mhm. I don't know that it was my favorite from this weekend. Yeah. It was an amazing game. 
So I just right. wanted to ask y'all, what was y'all's favorite game from the divisional round? Because, I mean, you had the snow up in Lambeau, back and forth, blocked kicks all around, the drama of Jimmy Garoppolo beating Aaron Rodgers. I'm just going to keep saying that, even though it's absolutely not the case. But uh, <laughs> before that, Joe Burrow overcoming, getting sacked nine times to knock off the number one seed Titans. First ever playoff win on the road for the Bengals. Then you have what everybody thought was just another Tom Brady comeback. But then Matt, uh, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford delivering just the greatest couple of throws of his career. So, yeah. I mean, I think you can go a lot of different ways here. Yeah. Um, I'll probably still go with, with, the Chiefs and Bills. You had the history, too, of a kind of the same thing last year with Duke and now going back and forth, uh, but the, the Bills wanting to get revenge. There was some disappointment there with, with Diggs not kind of not showing up, but then, of course, you had the other wide receiver going off, going Gabriel crazy. Davis, yeah. So I think that probably was, was my favorite one. I get really hesitant and, and annoyed with the that-was-the-best-blankety-blank ever just because I you just like saw it 24 hours ago. Like, yeah, I, I think, because if you ask me, okay, then, what was the best divisional round of all time? Or what was the best playoff game of all time in your mind? I don't know. Like, I, I can't just pick up one off the top of my head and say that. That was incredible, because there were too many of them, right? There's been a ton that I've enjoyed fully. Yeah. Uh, but we can't just enjoy something without so, putting in, that was the best of all well, time. It's the, so, it's the BJ anyway, method. But, yeah, so, Bill's sure. Chiefs for you. Bill's Cam, which one was it for you? Uh, Bills Chiefs, they had 25 points combined in two minutes. So that, 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 it, just, <laughs> it seems impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems impossible, but it happened. Should it's, be. It's Bills problem. Chiefs, Mahomes and Allen are the next big things. Well, Mahomes is already big. Allen is big, but I don't know if Mahomes is yeah. the next big thing or Mahomes is just the thing. He's been the starter for four yeah, years no. and they've got a four AFC He's championships. I mean, Mahomes I think is. Allen is yeah, Allen is on the way there too. Like he's Mahomes, Allen. Like Allen is, is he's legit, man. And I know we gotta go to break here. Is Josh Allen the biggest like whiff when it came to the what the hell are they picking right here at quarterback? Like we all laughed at the Josh Allen pick. You laughed, I laughed, Cam. I know you laughed at the Josh Allen pick. No, no Cam. No, Cam. I, I didn't. Cam, laugh. don't I do just this. Sat there, I didn't laugh. I just sat because the year before he lit it up. So I didn't laugh. I just sat there. That's it. I'm like, okay, the Bills doing Bills things. That Bills, you know, pants. That's all they did. All right. I didn't laugh at it, though. I did. And I, th- I think that's a big swing and a miss for a majority of people because Josh Allen has turned out to be awesome, and Trey Lance might be just as good. Who knows? But, no, I mean, I get the Bills Chiefs. You, you have him go down there in 13 seconds and get that field goal, and you have all the stories coming out of it. I love the Evan McPherson story from the Bengals game just saying, look, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. Yeah. I just, I just think somebody finally slaying Tom Brady when it comes to like, I, I think yeah, it was Tom Brady had never lost a playoff game twenty and zero when his team won the turnover battle. They did on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? They lost that game, but then it was Tom Brady. Here he comes again, twenty seven, twenty seven. That's it. But Matt Stafford stepping up against all the momentum on the road and getting that just that moment. I, I think I, I enjoyed watching the Rams Bucks more just because the Titan that is Tom Brady. Right, you watch the greatest quarterback of all time do what he does, but then you had like the Luke Skywalker come back on the other side and finally slay him. So I, I'll say Rams, Bucks. They say Chiefs, Bills. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap it up here, get you ready for three and out.
Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us today. Got a big three and out coming up next. Update you on where Major League Baseball stands as the guys are getting together, finally, for some labor negotiations. Apparently, one of the three big hurdles, they got jumped over yesterday. So we could hopefully see baseball starting on time. Uh, Mike Hollis, former Pro Bowl Jaguars kicker, joining the guys at 3.30. A lot of big-time kicks this weekend in the NFL. Break it down with Mike Hollis there. More updates on the Sean Payton news. And then at 5.05, Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider, to give us the latest from those ongoing MLB, MLB, PA updates as those guys, again, finally sitting down uh, for the first time since December 1st. All that coming up next on 3 and Out. If you miss any portion of our show today, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube.